Listen, there's a great work to be done. As soon as you win this court battle, you must deliver this message. Take advantage of this opportunity and declare a powerful message to this world. He expects more of us. He believes we can do more. Who's going to stop Christ? Who's going to stop Christ from getting this work done? This is Behind the Work. Welcome to Behind the Work. I'm Grant Turgeon. In a co-worker letter from April 2nd, 1940, the late Worldwide Church of God founder Herbert W. Armstrong wrote, The only way I have managed to keep the work going has been my personal sacrifice, taking money intended for our family living, letting my family suffer. One of my daughters has had to stop school. We are about to lose our home. We have gone without badly needed clothing. I could tell you more, but do not want to talk about ourselves. Our Heavenly Father knows. We are willing and glad to make any sacrifice. But the point is, we have now come to the end. Unless substantial help comes at once. The work cannot be held up by this method of personal sacrifice any longer. As long as it was only us who suffered, I said nothing. But now the Lord's work will stop unless substantial help comes quickly. For the work's sake, I must appeal to our helpers. I would starve before I would ask one cent as charity for myself. But I'm willing to humiliate myself in any way for the gospel's sake. Again, that's from April 2nd, 1940, a coworker letter by Herbert W. Armstrong. This was obviously early on in God's work, and it was a hard time financially for Mr. Armstrong and his family for decades. It's just really sad to read this in a lot of ways because here was a man who did so much for God's work and yet his family had to suffer as a result. Now, thankfully, today we are not in such a dire situation where we have to cause our own families to suffer to be able to support God's work. But that's how it was for Mr. Armstrong back then. But one man's sacrifice can only go so far. That's what Mr. Armstrong realized, and that's what Mr. Armstrong said. He needed more people to help carry that burden and make sacrifices. And thankfully, people responded. Supporters of God's work really stepped it up. There's a section in the autobiography about a family that's building a house in Washington state. And they were still in the process of putting this house together. They don't, they didn't have walls yet. They didn't have a stairway yet. And over the course of two or three years, this family had saved just $40 for the wood to partition these rooms in their homes, in, in their house. 
So they wanted to put up walls to separate the rooms in the house they were building. And yet, as soon as they heard Mr. Armstrong's call for help, they responded. They gave that $40 that they'd been saving up for two or three years to God's work. Now, it's really inspiring how Mr. Armstrong and this family go back and forth. Mr. Armstrong felt really bad about (laughs) this family sacrificing so much. This is on page 535 of the autobiography. He says, I just couldn't take this money when you have struggled so long to save it so you could have a home to live in. Now, by the way, this autobiography of Herbert W. Armstrong is available for free at thetrumpet.com. Mr. Armstrong continues, tears filled the woman's eyes. She shook her head, refused to accept the money back. Mr. Armstrong, she said, of course it would be nice for us to get up partitions and have separate rooms, but that is not an absolute need. We just could not use this money for a temporary material home when it will help get Christ's message of a home for all eternity in God's kingdom to many thousands of people. So to this family, a physical home didn't mean too much compared to a spiritual home for all mankind in God's kingdom. What a vision, what a focus they had. And such astounding willingness to sacrifice. Again, today, the situation in God's work, done through the Philadelphia Church of God, done through Mr. Gerald Flurry, is not nearly as dire as it was back then. But what an example for all of us. And it just shows the type of priorities we all should try to have. I, th- I think really in, in, in some ways you could probably focus on four different areas of sacrifice. The Bible outlines four areas where perhaps we might have to get a, give a little something up to follow God. There's family, friends, Food and fun. You have the four F's. We'll just quickly look at these. There's probably a lot of others too, but I just thought it was interesting that there are four F's here. A good way to remember this. Matthew 19 verses 29 and 30. And everyone that has sacrificed houses or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my name's sake shall receive a hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life. But many that are first shall be last and the last shall be first. This is similar to what that family understood and and why they were willing to give up that $40 to support the work. They knew about 
eternal life, everlasting life, offering a message to the world about everlasting life, they realized that delivering this message, the true gospel, was more important than renovating their home, building their home. So this this passage, Matthew 19, talks about giving up houses. That's the very first thing it says, actually. And it talks about family, land. So you have family, you have friends, food and fun. You'll see that here in a minute. But just so many things, so many areas where we could sacrifice Now, again, not to an extreme necessarily, but when called for, we should be willing. John 17 verse 4 shows us another area where sacrifice is necessary. John 17 verse 14. I have given them your word. And the world has hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. So God is calling a select few out of the world. The world persecuted and killed Jesus Christ. And so it would follow that if we follow Christ, perhaps we won't have a whole lot of friends. Perhaps we might have to give up a few friends. So family and friends. Notice here also in John 4 verse 31. Verses 31 through 34. In the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him saying, Master, eat. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that you know not of. Therefore said the disciples one to another, Has any man brought him aught to eat? Jesus said unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Here's an example of Jesus Christ sacrificing a meal. He gave up a meal. He gave up food to do God's work. That's usually not necessary, but occasionally maybe it would be. So we've seen family, friends, food. One more F to sacrifice. But as we'll see, the sacrifices we make are nothing compared to what God gives back. First John 2 verses 15 through 17. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passes away and the lust thereof, but he that does the will of God abides forever. So you notice there, it's talking about the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes. It's talking about materialism, just living in the moment and trying to have a fun time. 
indulging the senses to overload. That That's the world's version of fun. But the fascinating part of all this is when we give up family, friends, food, and fun to do God's work, God actually gives us ample replacements in all those areas. He gives us a spiritual family that's even stronger. He gives us friends that are real and will last. Well, food is a physical thing. We really don't have to give that up usually. And then fun. There is a more fun way of life. There is an abundant life. John 10 verse 10 talks about that. Jesus Christ said, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Mr. Armstrong wrote a classic article titled, This is the Life, Real Abundant Living. And he wrote, What is an abundant life? What is abundance? Here is the definition. Possessing an overflowing fullness. It means great plenty. Great plenty of life and real living. It means exuberance. It means abounding. That's the kind of life that Jesus Christ came to reveal that we could have. So back to this quote from the beginning from that 1940 coworker letter where Mr. Armstrong said he would be humiliated in any way for the gospel's sake. Mr. Armstrong went to the depths of poverty and despair. And just when he thought he was doomed, God swooped in and rescued him. Mr. Armstrong sacrificed to the brink of total ruin. And God came in and made up the difference and gave him an abundant life. God blessed that family that gave $40 instead of finishing building their own house. God always comes through and blesses when we sacrifice. But like I said, just make sure it's in balance. It doesn't have to be a self-crippling type of sacrifice. But just in areas maybe where we are enjoying a lot of comfort anyway. And maybe we're spending a little too much on ourselves. Pampering ourselves. There's always ways where we could simplify our own lives. And do more to support the work. Notice here Isaiah 55. Thankfully today we don't have to be humiliated for the gospel's sake. We don't have to be humiliated so that the good news of the coming kingdom of God will go out to the world. But we should have that willingness. If it came to it, 
if the very survival of God's work came down to you personally, you should have that willingness. We all should to be humiliated for the gospel's sake, to make any sacrifice necessary. Isaiah 55 verses one and two. Ho, everyone that thirsts, come you to the waters. And he that has no money, come you, buy and eat. Yes, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfies not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat you that which is good. And let your soul delight itself in fatness. You probably get the impression here that the prophet Isaiah is not just talking about physical food and drink. Physical food and drink do cost money. They do have a price. And yet he's talking about something without money and without price. He's talking about something that eternally satisfies food and drink do satisfy physically, but he's talking about something that satisfies more than just in that moment. And for a few hours, something that lasts continuing with this food and drink analogy. Notice John seven. Verses 37 through 39. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believes on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spoke he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Living water. That's talking about God's Holy Spirit. So God provides something that is deeply satisfying. He provides food and drink spiritually that will bring us the utmost contentment. Mr. Armstrong lived a life of willingness to sacrifice and he actually had to sacrifice and face the pain a lot of times, which thankfully we usually don't have to go through today. There's a wonderful article here from the PCG.church website by Nicholas Irwin. And I'll put this in the show notes, but it shows how Mr. Armstrong basically cut back in every possible way so that he could pay the postage to send out the plain truth magazine, or he could drive basically 43 days of the year, every single year, all throughout Washington state and Oregon, just to deliver a 30 minute TV program once a week. 43 days a year at the beginning of the work. <laughs> Pouring every, every last resource that he had, and he didn't have much, into doing God's work. 
Nick Irwin writes here, Mr. Armstrong decided he would rather live on the streets with no home than watch the sprouting mustard seed of God's work dry up. For three years, the Armstrong family jumped between motor courts and cheap motels. Due to policies on staying time, sometimes the Armstrongs had to move every three days, but they did so with unswerving faith. Mr. Armstrong was humiliated for the gospel's sake, and yet he did it with joy. What an example. Just to step out and trust God and sacrifice, and he really was rewarded. He experienced the abundant life through all of that. All that sacrifice was worthwhile for him, and it will be for us too. Mr. Armstrong writes in this article, this is the life, real abundant living, about the attitude of a Christian. He said, you will wish others to live their lives too, up to their highest, their fullest, their best. You will be concerned for their welfare. You'll try to help others every way you can, never to hurt or to injure. You will never meddle. You will never dictate, interfere, or give unwanted advice, or speak ill of nor give gossip about others. Never will you go around griping, complaining, and murmuring things that make you and others unhappy. You will always be willing to help others by giving them a chance, and mainly you can help others by helping them to help themselves, by encouragement, by setting a good example, by thus inspiring and uplifting others, giving advice only when it's welcomed and when they want it and are willing to open their minds to receive it. You will hew to the line of the one supreme goal of life, which should be to inherit the kingdom of God, to be born of God, and to the very family of God. You will relentlessly pursue this goal with zeal, with enthusiasm, with drive, and with energy fired by godly ambition, with hope, with faith, living by every word of God. And if it requires sacrifice you will be willing to make that sacrifice. Mr. Armstrong was humiliated for the gospel's sake. We can follow that example and make any sacrifice in supporting God's work today. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Grant Turgeon. This has been Behind the Work. You've been listening to Behind the Work. Email your thoughts to comments at kpcg.fm. Listen for a new episode each Monday at 12 p.m. Central Time.